So good morning. I hope uh, I'll stay a little bit off center. Um, I'm really excited about this day. This is our graduation Sunday, and we're going to get to pray over our our graduates from elementary. Some of them are middle school and high school and some college. And we have one that graduated the master program. I don't know if she's here, but she's one of our uh, beloved members. And so we're praying about this, preparing for this day. And um, I forgot to mention the children. You could leave. (laughs) That was an announcement. And this is part of the sermon illustration to show that sometimes we need to send children away, especially if they're your children. (laughs) Thank you. Wow, they were so quiet. I couldn't believe that they were still here. Let's give them a hand. (laughs) Wow. All right. And so we're, we're just kind of wrapping it down, and I wanted to just share a few words, particularly for the seniors and college, but also as a reminder to us about what we're doing here and why we're here, and hope that it speaks into all of us in different journeys of life towards Christ. Let's join me in a word of prayer. God, you are incredible in all your ways. We thank you for your word that is alive, that is sharp as a double-edged sword, and it cuts through our hearts And convicts us and it transforms us. This is not just a historical book, nor is it just an instruction book. It is your living word revealing to us Jesus Christ. Lord, show us how you are our cornerstone, that you are the Messiah, you are all that we need. And may our hearts draw nearer and closer to you as you are a God who has reached out and grabbed a hold of us. It is in your son's name we pray. Amen. Is it possible to draw a circle, a big circle, a perfect circle freehand? How many think it's possible to draw a perfect circle freehand? Raise your hand. How many of you think it's impossible to draw a perfect circle freehand? How many of you don't care and you're not raising your hand? (laughs) Well, I looked it up and it is theoretically impossible to draw a perfect 360 degree circle freehand. And the ones that I saw, they cheated, but they use the same principle of how to make a circle. They cheated. They use freehand, but then they use a wrist or a finger to turn the sheet, and then they use it as a compass to draw a perfect circle. But if you don't have a center, you can't make a circle. And in architects and all those drawings, you can't draw a perfect circle unless you have a focal point, a center. And I was thinking about that as an analogy for life. You could try to draw life your way, a big circle, but it just doesn't come out right. You need a focal point. And I think God has given us a clear message. If you don't know anything else today, if you don't walk away from anything else, Jesus needs to be that center focal point that makes the whole of your world life a perfect circle. It makes sense. He makes it all make sense. That's for college graduates as you go to college. As for adults, as for people going to parenting, as for people in their senior years, all of life makes sense when Jesus is this focal point. Or else we try to do it ourselves, and you have me who has no art major. It looks like an amoeba. It looks like something out of a horror movie. And so I want to show you this. In today's text, Jesus is walking with his disciples to Caesarea Philippi, and it's the northern border of Israel in a city called Dan. And in this city... It's a pagan land. There's no more Jews. It's a Greek-worshipping land. 
And there's this beautiful spring that flows at the head of the Jordan River. And so this is there today, and it's beautiful. The next slide shows you, in this time, those caves, those grottoes, were filled with idols, in particular, the Greek god of Pan. Now, what's unique about Pan? Kids, anybody know? He's half man, half goat. Yeah. He's a god, Pan. We get the word panic from Pan. He's known for... uh, powers of sexuality, he's, he's a troublemaker, but they worshipped him and they sacrificed children in that cave. And Jesus is walking with his disciples along this riverbed and sees this grotto, sees these gods all over the place, and he asks this incredible question. He asks this question as he's looking at these statues and other gods and Greek gods, and he says, who do people say I am? You know, I know that uh, I'm, not, I'm trying to get in shape, but if I'm, if I'm going out to, you know, I see a bunch of people working out, and then, you know, what, what's a thought that comes to my mind as I'm walking with my wife? Oh, honey, am I getting out of shape? <laughs> right? You know that you're kind of comparing, you see what's around you, and you're wondering, how am I doing? And I feel like Jesus is looking at all these gods, and he's like looking at his disciples and saying, there are these gods here, but who do people say I am? Um, I googled the words Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. And when you Google those two names now, you get a lot of hits, like billions of opinions. And so we live in a culture that hasn't changed for 2,000 years. People talk. And so Jesus asked that question, and disciples say, some say you're John the Baptist, which is weird because that's Jesus' cousin, and King Herod cut his head off about two, three years ago. And so King Herod in Mark 6 is the one that said, maybe this Jesus is a resurrected John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Anybody know what did Elijah do famously? He defeated how many prophets of Baal? Any pop quiz? 450 prophets of Baal. And they're like, some people think you're him. Because Elijah was amazing. He brought God and he brought people to understand God. And you do that. And then the disciple says, some of them say you're Jeremiah, another dead man. (laughs) So maybe Jesus is this renewed and resurrected thing, person. And so Jesus is asking, there's going to be a lot of opinions, there's going to be a lot of different things, but who do people say I am? Now, if I could ask you, can you turn to a neighbor and just, just take a moment to think about this question? These days, if I ask somebody in Whittier, a random person, and I say, excuse me, you got 10 seconds? If I say Jesus, what do you think of? What do you think they would say? I'm going to give you guys just, a, just 10 seconds. Just turn to your neighbor. Just, just say hi. What do you think people would say if you asked them the question, who is Jesus? Just, just say, say something next to each other. You got 10 seconds. What do you think a stranger off the street would say? who is Jesus? And people would say, okay, so can you call it out? What did you hear? My Savior, God. Oh, what? Angel, Son of God. Three in one. Wow, we got good Reformed theology people in this room. Off the street, some people will say, teacher, holy man, Christian, God, Savior, triune God. So there's all these different answers. And so Jesus is hitting on the point, there's going to be a lot of different perceptions of me. 
and we live in that kind of world. I think there's one more picture, and this is one of those grottoes access ways. Beautiful. And I'm picturing this area is one of the beautiful places where the greatest declaration was ever made. Because the next question Jesus asks, you know this, right? And Jesus says after they respond, but, what does he say? What about you? Who do you say I am? I love that. Um, I I noticed people, when we were evangelizing yesterday, um, you know, 80% of Americans, they know Jesus died and rose again because there's Easter. They hear it. 80% of Americans, if you go to people and evangelize and say, hey, are you a Christian? Do you believe in God? I don't know. Do you know Jesus? Oh, yeah, he died and rose again because they grew up in church and Sunday school. And I noticed something. Just because you know it doesn't make you necessarily a believer. For example, I know Muhammad lived. And he was given a vision from Allah. And Muhammad wrote the Quran as a holy book that Allah gave him to create a new religion. Does that make me a Muslim? If it did, you're in big trouble. You've got you to me preaching in front of you as a Christian pastor. So to know the information doesn't necessarily mean that you're an inherent follower. So let's bring it back to you. You all know Jesus died on the cross and rose again. That's information. But that's not what makes us a Christian. I think Jesus is asking, that's great. That's what they say. That's what you say. But let me ask you something. But what about you? Who do you say that I am? You grew up in church. That's great, but what do you really believe about me? It matters greatly because Jesus asks it in a way this. He, I don't think in the Bible it says John chapter 10, verse 52 or something, bring people to church and make them give offering, make them sing songs, and one day a week make them make sure that they come to a steeple church with stained glass. I don't think that's in the Bible. Was that in the Bible? No. If it was, you're in, you got the wrong Bible. <laughs> Jesus said, I have come to give life and to give it abundantly. I have come to make them my own, Father. And through me, you know them and I know them. He says, I have come to give life and to give it abundantly in a way where he says, and I love John, 1 John 5, it says, He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. Like, we're dead And Jesus didn't come to make us religious, but he came to give us life. So he's asking you and me today. I don't care what the pastor says. Don't care what the Bible, uh, not Bible, the church, the, the TV and all those preachers say. As you look at the Bible, as you see God, who do you really say Jesus is? And so Peter responds with this amazing declaration. Peter, right? The guy who walked on water and fell because he sank. Peter, the guy who, like, four sentences down, Jesus calls him, you know what he calls him in four or five verses down? He calls him Satan. (laughs) Because Peter is this rambunctious, goofy, zealous, unthinking guy. And Peter says in this moment something profound. And can you repeat this with me? This is what Peter says. Repeat after me. You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Now, that's crazy. 
Have you ever told anybody that you met recently that you're the Messiah? Have you ever went to someone and said, man, you are amazing. Are you God? (laughs) Has anyone ever said that? I know some of you might have said, are you an angel? But no one in their right mind would say, you are Christ, the Savior of Israel and our world, and you are Son of the living God, which means you are God. What's crazier is this. If someone said that to me, how would you think if your pastor, somebody says, Jason, you are God? And I responded like this. You ready? It's about time you figured it out. <laughs> like, what would you think of me? Would you want me to come back at church? Jason, you are God. And I said, I admit it. It was hard to cover up, but I finally need to let it out. Facebook, today I have... Out of the closet, I am God. And then the presbytery will call me. The elders will call me. How does Jesus respond? Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood. Meaning, you didn't figure this out because you read a book or someone told you, that's God. But my Father has made it known to you. Friends. I want to affirm something to you today. If you believe Jesus is your Savior and Lord, and you said he is my life, two things, amazing things. God loves you so much. For some reason, your eyes are open to see that. And that revelation was given to you by God. And two, you have a Savior. You have a centerpiece in this circle, which everything in life only makes sense around him. And this is why for college, for marriage, for children raising, for church, we can't do life without Jesus Christ. Amen? This is the cornerstone. And so C.S. Lewis says this, and this is a little bit lengthy, but I'll I'll wrap it up with with, uh, this and two thoughts. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't want to accept his claim to be God, quote unquote. C.S. Lewis says, this is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. I love this. He would either be a lunatic on a level with a man who says he is a poached egg or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either Jesus was crazy or he's God. That's what C.S. Lewis is saying. Either this man was and is a son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Question for you all. Who is Jesus to you? Is he the son of the living God, the holy one, the king of kings? that we just fall before and say, Lord, even when I suffer, if you're the center and God of my life, may it be so. Or is he a teacher that you look to to say, my life is struggling, I'll go to you. And you come into my life when I need you, but when I don't need you, you're a nice teacher. I'll follow your rules when I feel like it, but you stay out there because I'm in the driver's seat. And so to the church and graduates and church Christians, we we need to make this clear choice. Is Jesus merely an example and a teacher, or is he your Lord? 
Is he the trusting Lord that you give your heart to? Is he the one that you can trust confidently even when life looks dark? Trusting that he's conquered the grave. And so I, la- I want to leave another last challenge with you. Um, this one, I, I saw it recently, but Jesus later on says, I'm going to die. Right after that, I'm going to die and be crucified. And Peter, the one who just said, you're Christ, Messiah, says this. Get over here, Jesus. Never, never. And he rebukes Jesus. How can you say such a silly thing? And then Jesus takes him and says what? Get behind me, Satan, for you do not know the plans of God. And he says, you are a stumbling block. And then I just noticed something. Just a few verses, Jesus calls, you're the rock, and on this I will build my church. And then he says, two verses, a couple verses down, you're a stumbling block. And I was convicted by this. Why did Jesus call Peter the rock? Catholics believe because that's the beginning of the Pope. Most people find that controversial. I think it's because Peter's declaration that Jesus is Savior is the truth of the rock. And each each of you are rocks brought together to build a church. The truth when we declare Jesus is Savior and Messiah makes us rocks. And the church is built. But when we try to plan God's way our way, what do we become? We don't become a building block. We become a stumbling block. And I just want to leave us with this thought. You have those two choices in your life, don't you? As those that declare Jesus as Messiah and King, you either could be the building block with Jesus as a cornerstone, or you could live life your way. You are the center of that circle. And then thus you become a stumbling block. Thankfully, Peter came to know Christ, was reinstated after he denied him three times, and became one of the leaders of a church. The most encouraging thing about me, for about this story to me is this. God uses a goofy guy like Peter, and he uses goofy people like us, broken people, out of his incredible grace to build his church that will never be shaken by the gates of Hades. We are that church through Christ who has become our cornerstone. Amen. Let us live with Christ as a sinner. Who do you say I am? Let's pray. Lord, break our hearts down. Take us out of the driver's seat. May we fall at your feet, literally as well as figuratively. May you reign in our decisions for the future, decisions now, even from the little things like the classes we take in college to the jobs we take, to the relationships and how we choose to live our lives. May we yield it to you, Lord, for you are our God. And like Peter, we declare to you on the day that we were baptized that you are the Savior, you are the Messiah. You didn't come to reign over a political nation like Israel, but you came to give reign over sin and death in this world to bring us back to you. And so thank you, Lord. Bring our hearts closer together and continue to show yourself to be who you are. We pray these things as we pray with one voice the prayer you taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven.
Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.